Welcome to the Women of Marvel. I'm Angelique Roche. I'm Judy Stevens. And I'm Ellie Pyle. So as we continue to take a look at how mentorship influences our favorite characters, we're going to focus on our youngest superhero this week. Lunella Lafayette, also known as Moon Girl, is only nine years old, but she is the smartest person, her superpower, her brains. But in addition to her intellect, Lunella is paired with a huge, big red dinosaur who can switch brains with her, giving her smarts and strength. This brilliant child scientist is often mocked at school for her intellect daydreaming and invention making, like literally making her own inventions. In addition, she's an inhuman and she grapples with that on a daily basis because she's different as she learns to use her powers for the common good. That is a lot for anyone to handle, let alone a nine-year-old, so you better believe she's had some help along the way. Today, we're going to chat with two creators who know all about Moon Girl, Amy Reader and Jordan Ifueko. Amy is the co-creator of Moon Girl, and Jordan is taking on the latest run, which I am so excited about. We're going to start off with Amy. Back in 2015, this Eisner Award nominee collaborated with writer Brandon Montclair and Marvel Stormbreaker Natasha Bustos to bring us Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number one. Amy, who is a writer and an artist, doing a lot of the amazing covers for the original Moon Girl series, developed this new character to pair up with the big red dinosaur known as Devil Dinosaur. But you know what? I'm going to let Amy tell you all about that. I've always been really into characters, you know, more than anything else, like coming up with characters or helping characters that already exist build like a distinct personality that really helps you understand this is who that person is. Yeah. So I was talking with Brandon Montclair to um, Mark Panich over at Marvel and we had just uh, been working on Rocket Girl, our own creator own thing for Image and it was going well. And so they were like, well, we'd like you to try to do something like that over here, which is great. So yeah, we got that opportunity and Panicha was really into Devil Dinosaur. He'd been trying to bring back Devil Dinosaur for years um, <laughs> to no avail, I guess. And he was talking about how there was a moon boy in it. Uh, he was like, well, maybe you could have like a modern day girl, like a moon girl. So yeah, I was kicking around a character in my head uh, who was actually an adult in my head, but she was also a roller skater, also very intelligent, but also having difficulty with people. And she was black. And she, basically she was like going around solving like crimes and stuff. We made her a kid and I just felt like it was a nice way to, because she really does have like this distinct personality. And so I wanted her to be not cool in any possible way. Um. <laughs> Which is so interesting because you somehow still made one of the coolest <laughs> characters, right? Because she is this roller skater with this huge dinosaur 
which every time she tries to hide devil dinosaur is just <laughs> joyous. Um, but I, I love that you highlight this idea, right? You know, I was thinking about things like real genius and, and all of these kind of comparatives of what happens when you have the smartest person in the world and they just also happen to be nine, right? Like, yeah. you know, what does that look like when a superhero is also partnered with a functional family because so many yeah. times we have superheroes that have lost their family or they don't have family or they're orphans but in this case Lunella has a, a really like loving we're concerned about you why won't you make friends set yeah. of parents who understand yes honey you are the smartest person in the world but also do you have friends this is important to your social integration is friendship. And, you know, but that turns into, you know, one of the interesting things and one of the reasons we wanted to talk about Lunella is that in place of friends, as she's kind of figuring this out, she finds these mentors, right? Like she runs into a Hulk. She has had adventures with Wolverine. She's had adventures with all these different amazing much older superheroes and in particular like not that much older superheroes like Ms. Marvel right what was this idea of partnering the character with these mentors why did you think that was important I you know and I have to credit Brandon a little bit with that because he really wanted to make sure that she was fitting squarely into the Marvel universe so he understood early on that if we wanted Moon Girl to survive, if we wanted her to really have some stakes, have her be something that's a universal character that, that everybody's going to want to get in on, you actually need to get her into the Marvel Universe. It was really fun to try to choose who could be involved with that. You know, like Ms. Marvel really paved the way for Moon Girl, just literally like when we were making the character, the the only reason that they would ask us to even come up with something was because of the success of Ms. Marvel. But also she's very smart, but she's still a kid and she still has so much to learn. So it gives us a chance to kind of show what growth looks like for a kid that's too smart for her own good. I love this because there's something unique about Kamala Khan Ms. Marvel, because they aren't that far apart in age, right? It's like a true mentorship opportunity because you've got two Inhumans, you've got these mutations that are caused by Terrigen clouds, but they both have these huge hearts and they want to give back and they, they want to use their powers for good. And they're both, you know, nerds. Like, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what in creating this relationship did you feel was important besides the superheroing part, obviously we have to have punch and bam and zoom and beat the bad guys. But, you know, the thing I love about Marvel characters is that they're more than that. They are relatable. They have these relationships. What did you want to bring out in that? Well, you know, one really great thing I think about storytelling that I enjoy is uh, when there's interpersonal stuff with little surprises. I There's just something about that that really touches up me, you know, personally. And and so the nice thing about the interaction with Ms. Marvel is before that, she thought she was too good for everybody. It didn't matter who they were. She was very pompous with the Hulk. But let's be clear. 
it was Amadeus. That's true. That's Amadeus true. was a little pompous too. That is very true. I mean, he too thought he was the smartest person in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a pretty interesting episode. But yeah, issue four. Yeah, so I think the thing that we really wanted to bring across with Miss Marvel was that she was truly starstruck. And you know, it's like one of those things where when you remember being a kid, if you knew a teenager, they were just like larger than life. They you just saw them towering over you, and here Miss Marvel is just literally towering over her. You know, she talks to her like she's a celebrity. You know, she can't talk. She thinks she ruins her chance of being accepted by Miss Marvel. You know, but Miss Marvel makes sure to give her that chance to redeem herself and know that she's loved and stuff. So yeah, it was really fun um, to honor Miss Marvel and kind of show that we want to follow in those kinds of footsteps. And I love that because I feel like there's almost a friendship situation here because as we mentioned, like Lunella has gone through a lot of things since she was created, right? Like she's been outer space. She's had dinosaurs come back through time that aren't devil dinosaurs. She's like now fought side by side with the surly gruffy Wolverine. Like who doesn't love a Logan? But I feel like there's also been that undertow of exactly again what her parents were always encouraging her to do, which is not just get these mentorships, but forge friendships and really appreciate other people's strengths um, because she goes from being a loner to someone who can work on teams. Like, do you feel like mentorship and friendship can go hand in hand in that way? Yeah, I think so. I just think that mentorship is really important, right? Like, I think it's really important that we show that somebody who is traditionally very alone to the point that she, her best friend ends up being a dinosaur. Actually, who can't talk. Yeah. I mean, in the end, it is kind of a bit of a, like a journey on how to form friendships, how to form relationships with people beyond your family, beyond your pet dinosaur. That's the part of intelligence that she's still working on. Emotional intelligence. Yeah. For you, like, I also feel like there's this undercurrent that you have a personal experience of the importance of mentorship. Like, do you have any personal mentors? I have had some good mentors in my life. I think it says something when you show an interest in somebody without any like benefit of your own. I think that says something to them that they're important and valuable and and then you just really hope that they pass it on, you know, and that that they they remember that and it makes them want to bring that to somebody else. I think that's it's so important because when you think about because we all kind of know our own moon girls, right? We've we've all met a Lunella Lafayette. I mean, inhuman, Terrigen mist, dinosaur side. Like, we've all met those really exceptional people who may know that how exceptional they are, but may not have all the skills or knowledge or experience or just someone to kind of go, you got this. Like, yeah. you know, why do you think, I mean, everyone, but especially like folks like that, especially like folks like Moon Girl, mm -hmm. why do we need that kind of mentorship? I just think that there's so many ways to run into the wrong thing, you know? And honestly, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if this is a good part of the subject to do when we're talking about mentors, but there's bad mentors out there too, you know? 
And I think that that's part of it is that if you know that you are a good person with good intentions, you need to step up because everybody's looking for a mentor. And a lot of times when there are talented people out there, uh, they get swept up by the ones that don't have good intentions. And so I think it's really important for those of us, even when we think we're too busy and stuff, to really be there for somebody so that they don't need somebody like that. You know, going back to, you know, Amadeus, he told the other heroes that they should keep an eye on Moon Girl. He said she has heart and a potential to do great things. And it's it's, it's so interesting because that was a decision to go. It's not just enough for us to have worked together. It's not just enough to know that Moon Girl exists in the universe, but it's kind of the the responsibilities of others for those with experience to guide those who have such great potential, you know, would you say that it's kind of the responsibility for those with experience to guide those who have potential? I do. I do. You know, Moon Girl is at the beginning, oddly invisible. Her whole class knows her whole school knows that she's got a pet dinosaur. They all know who her secret identity is. It's no secret. You know, she's not even trying to make it a secret. And yet it takes a long time for people to start recognizing that she's something special, which is kind of ridiculous. I think in the back of our minds, it was partially because she's a black girl and, uh, you know, and people just weren't really willing to see that she has greatness in her. Then we have these people walking in and out of our lives that are great, that are like, hey, everybody, this is like something big. Something big is happening right here. And uh, yeah, even more so that she needs mentors to help her kind of weather all that. Yeah. And, you know, we've kind of talked about this a little bit. You mentioned it, you know, not every mentor is perfect. Uh, Not every mentor is good. Sometimes mentors fail. You're right. Like she tested as gifted at an early age, solved the banner box, but is somehow still unable to attend the gifted program at school, which is yeah. bonkers. Um, and like oh. so many people and, and, and honestly, to just say that as a personal experience, like so many black women, um, she ends up working alone and she's kind of exhausted by people who can't recognize her abilities. Why are so many adults unable to see her potential? Why is she so invisible at first? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's like assumption, you know, I think teachers, are somewhat overworked, but her teachers should have recognized it. Like her science teacher was kind of competitive with her. Well, I think it's also interesting that we don't talk about this a lot is that mentorship relationships aren't just learning experiences for the mentee, right? Like mentors sometimes kind of have to recognize their folly and can learn from each other, i.e., you know, Ironheart and Moon Girl, like, you know, Riri, again, another young superhero, still figuring it out like MIT or not I built my suit or not you know still (laughs) learning what that means but they also ironically are so similar right when you look at Ironheart being so far ahead mentally and working in a very isolated way for her own reasons, dealing with a lot of trauma and tragedy versus Mm -hmm. a moon girl who grows up in this very loving family who's also just as smart. I feel like there's both this opportunity to learn about our faults when we are in these relationships with other people, but also, you know, for mentors to get a significant amount of benefit from these relationships. 
I love that. I love that way of looking at it, you know, and it makes so much sense with Riri. It's like, it, it must have been kind of healing for her to have somebody to look out for because she didn't have that. And there is that as well, right? Like there's people trying to correct the course for other people to come after them. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why do you think that someone like a Riri or specifically like a moon girl who kind of shuns these relationships, why do you think they need mentorship the most? It's a little bit of that pride and that inability to see some blind spots. And it takes a lot for somebody to actually want to mentor somebody that doesn't seem like they want it. And so, yeah, when somebody comes in there and just keeps like kicking and screaming their way in, then it, it makes it a lot easier for them to hear the message, whether they'd like it or not. And of course, you like have to be a little sneaky about it, right? Like you have to figure out ways that you can help people at the level that they're willing to have and to not make those decisions for them, to say things in the form of a question rather than a statement, you know, as you respect somebody else's autonomy and agency. Mm, I love that. And Lunella has learned a lot of lessons from mentors, all the various mentors that have yeah. come in and out of her life. You know, yeah. for you, do you feel like there were specific lessons learned from these superhero mentors that were the most important or were necessary for the evolution of her character? I mean, I would say definitely I was thinking the most about Ms. Marvel, just because she's an early one and there's just something about her that is a little more soft and loving and <laughs> and like a big sister, which is something that she doesn't have. You know, usually with a lot of these interactions, there's like things that happen, right? Like, you know, with the Hulk, she's able to prove that she's the smartest one there is and stuff. But I guess I'm always uh, a little more drawn to the emotional, like, unsaid parts of these things. Or like with Doctor Strange, it seemed like it had a lot to do with honing your skill, honing your craft and learning what happens when you take it too far and how to avoid that, which is pretty cool. But yeah, there's just something about, like, just having somebody that you're awestruck by that is willing to become human for you or inhuman. And, uh, and that was the other connection too, was that she kind of had that, she was just trying so hard not to be an inhuman and then she had no choice. But here's this girl that she looked up to so much who is also inhuman and it's going to be okay. So yeah, I, I really feel like that was the one that hit me the hardest. I think in, in a way, Lunella has become a mentor to young girls of color, young girls who love STEM, you know, who are kind of figuring out their way and how to cooperate. And when you look at characters like her, like it's one of the reasons I bought volume one for my niece, right? Yeah. I literally was like, okay, dude, you're a little different. That's totally cool. Here is a story about a little girl that is your age that is just a little different. And that's the power of these stories because in a certain way, they almost have a mentorship-like effect on folks who are still finding their ways to their mentors. Thanks to people like you who see this and know who to give it to. Because I think that's been a huge thing. I mean... Moon Girl has really taken off and it's because of the fans. It's because of the people who want to spread the word. I mean, we've just kind of been along for the ride 
But I mean, it makes me feel really good to hear that. I've always very much liked kids, thought about what I can do to make kids be seen. And and I think the thing with Moon Girl was, yeah, she's in this, I mean, you know, and I don't want to say that like we were anywhere near close to, you know, the first people to come up with a black character who's a genius. Like, it just seemed like it was something where she has this very strong personality um, that that she has permission to have, that she's honored in having. And I really hope that it helps bring more kids in STEM, more girls in STEM. And I hope also that we have kids who read it who are also not black or male so that they can learn how to empathize a little better and see how there are interesting stories about people who are not like them. Because I think that's also a really important part of all this. You know, we learn a lot of this stuff just by the stories that we consume as kids. So, yeah. Amy, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I loved listening to your conversation with Amy. She's somebody I've always wanted to work with and never gotten a chance. And it was so cool to hear about one of Marvel's newer characters and how mentorship plays such a big role in Lunella's life. And I especially love how Miss Marvel, Kamala, who isn't that much older than Lunella, finds herself as a mentor too. You truly can learn from any person of any age. Absolutely. All right. So... Now that we've heard from Amy, I am excited because the story of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is going to be in new hands. That's right. YA prose novelist Jordan Ifueko is going to be taking over the story. Now, Jordan is a Nigerian-American author and well-known for her YA prose novel, Ray Bearer. Along with artist Alba Glex, she's going to be taking Lunella on all kinds of new adventures. Jordan. Hi. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. So we've been talking about one of the best characters in the Marvel Universe, the smartest person in the world, who just also happens to be nine. Yes. Lunella Lafayette. Now, look, you have come in and you've got a new run coming. It's like the best Christmas present ever. <laughs> You know, I keep forgetting that it's not coming out to December because I've gotten to be having fun in her world for so many months now. And it's like a new format for me. I'm very much like a long form novel writer. You are. You have you have written long form novels in which people may know of, including Ray Bearer. You seem so excited. How did you first get exposed to Marvel and were you a comic book fan before you got this this first email from Marvel saying, hey, you want to write a comic? I mean, my idea of comic books growing up were like Calvin and Hobbes, which I do think are still brilliant works of art, but just this vibrant, like full color, like all plots build on plots that may have been being written for decades. And you get like new alternate versions of characters and alternate worlds and things like that. That was all so intimidating to me because that's not the kind of comic books that I grew up with. Um, I think my introduction to Marvel seriously 
at least in terms of personal investment, was probably Black Panther. I'd seen the Avengers movies and I thought they were fun. But Black Panther, specifically his first appearance in the cinematic universe, um, I was just like, oh, I I need to know about this person and everything related to them. (laughs) Like before I just thought, oh, you know, these are fun. Sure, I'll go see it. These are fun summer flicks. Everybody will be talking about them. So I'll, I'll go and have a good time. I tell you when Black Panther came out, sometimes my husband and I, especially my husband, would just go to the movie theater just to be in Wakanda. Like I think I saw it in theater five times and he saw it about eight and that doesn't count like the times you know we just streamed it or I went to like the live orchestra concert in the Hollywood Bowl I think earlier this year or late last year and that made me more invested in other aspects of the Marvel world. I think one thing that attracted me to Lunella is how much there still can go on on a small scale in terms of someone having superheroes and being maybe the smartest person in the world you know, she's had to save the world, but sometimes she has to just save her best friend, the dinosaur, or sometimes she has to deal with situations that are more or less specific to the Lower East Side. Um, I like how much space there is in the Marvel world for you to have stories like this. You had to hold on to the secret that you were writing the series for a little bit. What does it look like preparing to tell a Lunella Lafayette story because even though she is her own small piece, there was a substantial amount of story that already existed for her. Right. Well, I felt fairly liberated to do a lot because one thing Lunella's team at Marvel told me is that they actually selected me to try and flesh out Lunella a little bit. Lunella, as she stood, was, you know, a genius and she went on all these great adventures But I think her parents didn't even have names. Like you didn't get to see her have continued friendships. And one thing that I noticed too is I think we want so much to give young Black girls the confidence, you know, that they aren't given often in, at least in the United States, (laughs) in the real world. And one thing I, I find a little bit challenging though is that sometimes that comes with a lack of vulnerability. Like for me, I remember being a young black girl and feeling like if I was going to exist at all in the media that I loved or and that never loved me back, I would need to be really sassy. I would need to be the comic relief or I would need to be really strong and invulnerable. And I feel like it is just as important to give young black girls the opportunity to be vulnerable Um, And to have needs and to grow in those ways. And so one big arc for Lunella in my volumes is basically having to learn that maybe she actually could use some friends. And also, just as important, maybe some friends need her. Like maybe they need her to be a good friend because she's she's very much like, I'm Lunella. I'm the smartest person in the world. Back away, civilians. <laughs> and, you know, her friends who now get to know her very well are just like civilians. <laughs> like her roller derby team is made up of other kids who got caught in the Terrigen mist, which awoke their what's called like inhuman DNA and gave them these weird powers. Like Lunella's is obviously to like switch minds with devil dinosaur. We've got um, 
a little boy named Devinder who can go really fast and is really just hyper all the time. We've got a girl named Tasha who has, um, I think I called it follicle kinesis, so she can like shape her hair into doing anything that she wants. She, she'll like change her hair into box braids that match the team's color and, and use them as a lasso and roller derby, or sometimes she'll use it to like gesture the way you would gesture with hands. You have a little boy named, did I, oh, I named him Will, not Robin. Robin seemed too on the nose because he can talk to birds, which means he can understand a little bit of devil dinosaurs because dinosaurs are like a very distant cousin of birds. (laughs) He's like, I didn't quite make that out, but I'm pretty sure he's saying his stomach hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, I had so much fun giving Lunella a chance to be vulnerable with her peers as well, as well as with her parents, because I think it's been left vague whether or not her parents know she's Moon Girl. And I take the vagueness out of that. And I deal with, okay, what is it like for her to try and connect with her parents and explain, like, these things are very important to me. And I know you have to protect me, but you also created me to be someone who wants to help people and be the most that she can be. I love that mm-hmm. because one of the cool things is Lunella's been out here superheroing for a while, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. she's had her share of mentors and folks in her life. And in this season of, you know, Women of Marvel, we're talking about the power of mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. And so this being her roller derby team there is this idea that, you know, of peer mentorship, but also kind of like coaching a little bit, right? This is like Lunella yes. now stepping out of her comfort zone of, man, if it's going to be done right, I'm going to do it. And saying, now I've got this team, you know, will Lunella get a chance to kind of become a little bit of a mentor herself? Oh, absolutely. One of the first times you see Lunella with her roller derby team from issue one is her with what I call her emotional support whistle, <laughs> where she just, <laughs> she kind of like frees people to like, say like penalty, <laughs> like that's not allowed. Like, okay, um, assemble. And this this is also a small spoiler that you learn on page one. Um, her team is called the Sad Sacks. She didn't realize that it would end up being called that because she she came up with the name. She's like, it's the Support Alliance Derby for sensationally abled kids. And one of the kids like raises his hand and she's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, you realize that makes us the Sad Sacks, right? And she just like moves on. <laughs> and that's <laughs> so at what at certain points, there's definitely, you know, her blowing her emotional support whistle and be like, Sad Sacks, unite. Like, it's time to go. But just as crucially, she doesn't let them help when things really matter. Like, she, mm. they constantly are having to pressure her to accept help, which is something I think I personally can relate to. Again, it comes back to that expectation of feeling like you have to be the strong, capable one. One note that I liked from the editors is that, you know, because anyone who's read my books knows that I'm very much into, like, found family friendships and leaning on them and supporting them. And my editors encouraged me to slow down that process for Lunella because my impulse is to give this young, brilliant black girls like best friends forever as soon as possible. <laughs> With, but no, like to be true to who she is, that would actually take quite a while. A, for her to see the value in having friends because one of the first things that you see about Lunella 
is how invested she is in bettering the world on a large scale. Like she's a very like big picture person to be like, it might be hard for her to see like the benefit of having those like small scale relationships when she's capable of things that are so big. Well, and I love that because you mentioned that her, you know, you got a chance to kind of also bring in her family. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the things I love about Lunella's story is that she does have family. Mm -hmm. How in your story does Lunella's family kind of help her grow and understand her abilities? Because I do also feel like family has that ability to bring that experience and that knowledge and expertise to us, even when we don't necessarily ask for it. Yeah. (laughs) That's one of the first beats in issue one, too, is her having to connect with her parents and understand their concern. Well, also, they have to understand her because, you know, they'd react in a very typical parent way to like, you know, you've been out there fighting monsters and stuff. Like, why are you putting your life on the line like this? And Lunella tells them, I'm just trying to be like you because both of her parents have jobs where they risk their safety to help people. Their upbringing and who they are influenced who she is because she could have just been like an obnoxious little smart girl. And instead, she's like, no, she's constantly trying to help people, which is kind of ironic because she's still, at least from what I've seen in her context that I build on in this story, she's not like the best at connecting like one on one, (laughs) very much a big picture blue skies person. It makes absolute sense that her best friend is a dinosaur that can like bash things. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I love about the power of mentorship is that we can kind of mentor at every age, but also we can be a mentee at any age, right? And any level mm-hmm. of experience. I'm always curious when I talk to creators, how has mentorship applied to you in your career? It's so complicated because, so I was homeschooled until 10th grade. Um, I was young for 10th grade, so I was 13. So I was like, you know, homeschooled until I was 13. And A lot of my mentors I had to kind of almost make for myself from what I had access to. I read and read and read day and night, day and night, day and night. And to the point where these authors and these characters became, I mean, obviously the authors were real, but like they became almost like people that I knew. I had a very intense point in my adolescence where I was obsessed with the Bronte sisters and it it would take a few years later for me to realize why. Like, you know, with how imperialist Victorian Britain is and stuff, it seems like kind of counterintuitive that, you know, a young Black girl, especially the daughter of Nigerian immigrants, would relate to them. But essentially, Charlotte Bronte was like this young, very grumpy <laughs> woman who lived in this like religiously repressive town um, who just like wrote about these grumpy, austere young women who just packed up their bags and made their way in the world despite their own pessimism. And (laughs) there was something about that that I related to so deeply, just in terms especially of my own really sheltered environment, while having this imagination that was like bursting at the seams out of me. And, you know, when I finally got, unfortunately, I was given like a very Western centric education. So when I did get access as a teenager to books like Maya Angelou, who, in my opinion, very much fits that same description, right? Like this young, absolutely brilliant storyteller, like she can't even talk without it being poetry. 
you bring up this aspect of this different type of mentorship, this mm-hmm. idea of why it's so important that we have diverse voices and diverse artists and diverse characters and that we have this conversation that allows those voices to exist within space and within literature. So I can only imagine kind of in your career and now doing, you know, a comic book, what those relationships have meant for you to be able to grow and learn and have the permission to experiment. If I even begin to talk about the other Black female authors who came alongside me when Rivera came out during the pandemic with a surprise move in the pub date, with nobody having done this before. Just, just you know, I was a nobody. And Angie Thomas and Nick Stone and Danielle Clayton and all of these big, big, big names who just treated me like I was important and my stories were important and told me what to expect and what not to settle for. Like, I'll start crying right now. I sent out kind of a Hail Mary to a few people I knew and my phone started blowing up. And I was just like, Wait, wait, is that is that 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 author? Like, how, how do they have my number all of a sudden? It was like a whisper network of these people just coming out of the network. Like, what can I do? It was bananas. I always say that was the best part of the experience. You know, getting on the New York Times bestseller list was surreal. Getting to, like, meet readers who loved my work was surreal. But when I think about that year, I think about those women you know, it's it's like, it's one of those things where why would you go so above and beyond unless you really just believed in what these books are doing? Well, and that's that's the power of mentorship. And now you've 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 been able to do the same for a character that means so much for so many folks. And honestly, I cannot wait to read uh, <laughs> all of the shenanigans that are about to happen with Lunella because roller skates and a big dinosaur and children under the age of 16 with inhuman powers are involved. So clearly there shall be shenanigans. Um, but also I am really excited to see what the level of intention and love that's clear that you're giving Lunella is the lesson she's about to learn and how much stronger of a person and a superhero she's going to be when this is over. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. As busy as I've been, I'm really, really going to miss not just Lunella, but her little team. I don't want to pressure anybody who takes on Lunella's story after this to like incorporate the new characters I wrote. But I love them so much. I love the sad sacks. And you get to see just a little bit of their background and their stories um, and what that teaches Lunella and the empathy it gives her. You get to see her create things like, you know, she's invented lots of, you know, big things to save the world and fight big bads and stuff. But you get to now see her like invent things specifically for her friends' problems you know, because now that she has that connection and that empathy, you know, but she still very much approaches it in a Lunella way. She She's not like a, oh, let me, you know, cuddle with you and give you tea kind of person. She's a, I can fix that with science. <laughs> I'm so excited to see hopefully how that's built on maybe in other volumes that even I don't write. We'll see. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on Women of Marvel. This is an absolute pleasure. Thank you. This has been so much fun for me, too.
Well, welcome, Jordan, to the Women of Marvel. I cannot wait to read Jordan's run of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Same. And it's really exciting that Lunella is taking on a kind of leadership role with her fellow young and humans. Perhaps the mentee becomes the mentor? We'll just have to find out when we read the very first issue coming out this December. So, Angelique, we have a very special episode next week. You should probably tell everyone about it. Oh, Judy. Yes, I should. Because we are going to be hearing from the women of Wakanda. Well, about the women of Wakanda and how they lead and learn from each other. Plus, maybe we might hear from a special guest. I I, I could give you a hint. Um, shall I? Oh, please. It might be a queen. Ooh, always happy to have a visit from royalty. Until then, Women of Marvel is produced by Isabel Robertson, Cara McGurk-Allison, Ellie Pyle, Judy Stevens, and Anjali Crochet. Our Senior Manager of Audio Development is Brad Barton. Our Director of Production Management is Larissa Rosen. Production Manager is Emily Godfrey. And our Executive Producer is Jill Duboff. Listen weekly on SiriusXM and on Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. See you next week. This is Marvel. Your universe.